standard issue for all women. Happy International Women's Day. To celebrate the social, economic, cultural and political achievements of women, we're running a series of interviews with some kick-ass broads. Aisha Hazarika talks to us about politics, about comedy and how the two can go hand in hand. Laura Bates chats about her new book, Misogynation, and offers some truly startling facts and figures about everyday sexism. Historian and Newnham Fellow Dr Jill Sutherland explains the important role Millicent Fawcett played in the suffrage movement. And finally, England rugby captain Sarah Hunter talks sport in general and rugby in particular. We're releasing all four of these interviews on and around International Women's Day. So after you've finished whichever one you're listening to right now, do have a shufty for the other delicious slices of feminist goodness. Here's former political advisor and stand-up Aisha Hazarika telling us how women in politics are doing better than ever before, but there's still a long old way to go. Hi, we're joined in the studio today by Aisha Hazarika. Hello. hello. Hi. <laughs> that was a really sultry hello you gave us there. What you can't see, listeners, is there was a double eyebrow raise. <laughs> She's up to mischief already. <laughs> it was double seduction. <laughs> double seduction. She's having me and Hannah, and I'm confused. And I'm having delighted. you all. I'm having you all. <laughs> oh yeah, goodness. why don't I get had? No, you are. You get had. Oh, yeah. thanks. Good. Really inclusive. <laughs> yeah. Aisha, you have one of the more varied careers, I think, of many people. You have worked for the Department of Trade and Industry. Correct. And you've been a stand-up comedian. Yeah, I've done lots of things. I've worked for lots of departments, actually. I've worked for... I was a civil servant, and then I worked in the music industry for a while, and then I became a political advisor to the Labour Party, and then I became a stand-up comedian. What's the best advice you gave to the Labour Party? Um, Probably... I can't even think about that. I gave such bad advice. that I mean, I basically broke the Labour Party. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You know, um, I worked for Ed Miliband, Harriet Harman and Gordon Brown, and that all went really, really well. <laughs> Double um, thumbs up. Yeah, I also advised the Remain campaign. That went really well. So basically, I'm like brilliant at political advice, clearly. <laughs> Well, you like a relationship advice. Should I ask you some questions on that? Oh, I'm brilliant at relationships as well. I break all of those as well. <laughs> Sounds like, may I give terrible advice? And afterwards, people say that was terrible advice. And it's like, you should learn something. Stop asking me advice. It's an interesting mix there, politics and comedy, because... Well, I say that, but actually a lot of politics now does actually just appear to be for long comedy. Politics when you watch the shark. It. Yeah. yeah. There's like a cigarette paper between it all, basically. <laughs> like when, when I was telling people that I was doing the stand-up tour, everyone was like, God, that's really weird. And then I was like, yeah, I've been advising the Labour Party for 10 years. And they were like, oh, of course you're doing a stand-up comedy tour. Of course you are. But no, I mean, like there was a point in time where you saw the thick of it and you were like, oh, that's brilliant. That's a really funny pastiche of what politics is like and now you just sort of turn on the news and you're like oh that actually is the thick of it like that is life now yeah go on yeah go yeah, on yeah you want to say you want to do it what go on say? name drop who oh. did you meet oh no I, oh, okay no no but I, we'll have to cut it out because i did I, I already name dropped this when angela barnes was in talking about well i i did actually meet oh, armando ianucci and he said exactly that when he everyone kept ringing him when that Theresa May speech was going on, saying, turn your TV on, turn your TV on. And he said that 
somebody had pitched that to him as a piece of satire, he'd have said it would never happen. Yeah. It has to be slightly believable to actually work. And he said that is unbelievable. It would never happen. And it was happening right in front of his eyes. It happened. I mean, it all happened, didn't it? And like bits of the stage started falling. I mean, it just and the guy with the P45, the coughing, it all happened. But that I think that's the thing, which is actually really, really hard for satire now, because politics is just so weird. And Donald Trump and, and everything. It's just you can't come anywhere close to sketching the ridicule. A lot of my friends are parliamentary sketch writers where they will see stuff happening in Parliament and write something kind of witty and funny about it and they're just like, it's really hard to do that now because it's all just beyond parody. Yeah. It's absolutely terrifying, I think. I used to be a civil servant as well. Ah, which department? Uh, DEFRA and then DEC. Oh. Yeah. Uh, For people listening, Jen. That's the Department for the Environment, Food and Rural Affairs and the now sadly uh, no longer existing um, Department of Energy and Climate Change. Mm. What's that part of now then? Or we don't believe in climate change anymore. We don't care anymore. It doesn't exist. I think it's really hot over the summer and cold and winter. What are people banging on about? (laughs) Whatever business innovation skills, which was trade and industry, I think it's been reabsorbed. BIS or something. Yeah. I think it's been reabsorbed by that, which is where it kind of used to be, but they made a special department for Ed Miliband. Uh, As like a present. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a Here gift. Here you go. It's for you. Oh, um, they made a special department because they decided they believed in it and stuff, and now they don't believe in it anymore, so it's fine. It can go back from whence it came. But I remember watching... What's it called? In the Loop. Yeah. yeah. I remember watching that with some friends while I was still a civil servant and uh, one of my mates after saying, oh, it was really funny, but, you know, it's a bit far-fetched, isn't it? I was like, I don't think so. <laughs> Not really. It's weird, isn't it? Because I, I, I was always, or still am, a really big fan of Yes Minister and quite often oh, great. people people would say, oh, you know, but it's when it's something's made in the 1980s that it won't be relevant. And when Brexit happened uh i wrote a piece about i think it was something like 20 different things that were happening how happened in yes minister or yes prime minister that were actually happening now that was still exactly the same thing it seems utterly timeless i mean technology has changed but all of that oh absolutely i mean but i think if you're in any of the brexit departments now you must just sort of think god i hope all those people are keeping diaries because this is just going to be the most farcical period of sort of modern political history and you know the fact that you've got you know every time David David Blessing pops up in front of a select committee and they're just asking him basic questions and he's just like I don't know I have no idea what's happening there's no attempt even to kind of try and pretend to have the answers and he is looking like a man on the edge now he looks like he spent a night in the cells like every day now and he turns it probably has you know what I mean it's just like Brexit has broken this man Brexit has broken yeah. our politics it really has I saw Theresa May at the weekend um, no, he's still yeah, hanging out with her <laughs> on the, on the television and she was giving a speech to European people leaders and she said absolutely precisely nothing in it there was nothing of any substance it was a selection of words put together to formulate sentences that meant nothing that said nothing and it's really depressing to think that that's currently where we are when we are the people that say yay get a woman in charge Mm. and now we've got a woman and we can't 
get behind her is quite I know, upsetting. I feel really torn um, by it because obviously the Labour Party has consistently failed to come up with a, a woman leader because there's just no women in the Labour Party. I don't know if you've noticed that. There's literally yeah. like, no, there's they just don't like important jobs. They, we just don't like them in the Labour Party. I find they mess up my nails oh, they get an important <laughs> job. Really busy can't concentrate on my hair. But you do feel like, my goodness, we've got this female Prime Minister and, you know, going through this really difficult moment with Brexit. And we, even like, party politics aside, you would sort of think, right, I kind of want her to do well because she's a woman and I don't want to see a woman fail. But it's like she cannot help herself. She is literally the dullest human being on the face of the planet. Like, do you remember when, during the election campaign, they said to her, what was the naughtiest thing yeah. you've ever done? And she went, you know, run through a field of wheat. And she didn't even have the gumption to say the word naked at the end yeah. of it. You were like, at least come on, do something. And, you know, I actually feel sorry for her. But at the end of the day, if you decide to be a political leader, you've got to know what is coming at you which is everyone's going to give you a hard time and you've got to show some strength and you just look at her and you think what has happened to you she looks like she's like a prisoner of herself yeah I think she probably is yeah but that's an interesting point because here we are we did we have progressed somewhat recent in recent years we there are more women in parliament but being a woman in parliament comes at a cost that you do have to put up with a phenomenal amount of abuse Really more quite. so than male politicians, I think. I would say way more so yeah. than male politicians. I think that's right. I think any woman who enters the public political space now, particularly as an MP, but even young female activists and commentators, the level of abuse is just absolutely off the scale. And it comes at you from, from all sides, you know, the left... The right, the, the the you know the the, the Brexit, the the Romanians, you know you ca- you cannot put a foot right. But I think what is really what's really really sad is we've we've spent a long time persuading women to get into politics, and we've done quite a good job because on all parties, to be fair, more women are stepping up. So they get to that level, and how are they rewarded by literally just abuse, rape threats, death threats, and for quite a lot of them, it's like why should I put not just myself but my family mm. through it? But also it just sends that signal to younger women who want to dip their toe into politics, sends a signal which basically says, get out of this space. Mm. And it does silence younger women. I mean, I get a lot of younger women contacting me privately saying, um, I want to get more involved in politics, but I, I just can't cope with the abuse. I don't think I'm strong enough to do it. And all those people that are sending those messages are having the desired effect because a lot of young women are like, it's not for me. And it should be. It should absolutely... Now is exactly the time where it should be for everybody, particularly sort of young women. Do you think that's the intention of the people doing it? Because I always kind of think of those, you know, keyboard warriors or whatever, whatever you want to call them as just sort of just losers who don't have anything better to do with their time do you think that they actually intend to put people off getting into that world or i think they i think they're trying to silence people i think a lot of them are totally as you say just kind of like weird losers in the basement at some kind of you know sort of god knows what they're kind of looking at on their computers and then sort of tweeting people but i do think there's quite a big um movement of particularly really really aggressive men on the right who are trying to basically... There's a culture war going on and they're kind of trying to shut a lot of people down. So even if, like, the Me Too thing, um, which you would have thought was a really positive thing to kind of get 
young women and actually women from all backgrounds, classes, colours, yeah. walks of life, sharing their stories about their own kind of ex- lived experiences. And of course, you know, those women, a lot of them are now being kind of shut down because it's like, no, I, you know, you're, I don't, I don't either don't believe you or you're making this up or your experience doesn't meet my kind of criteria of what, you know, abuse is. And I think right across the sphere, you see whenever women or whenever an underrepresented group makes a wee bit of progress, there is always quite a big backlash to try and kind of push them back. So Mm. it's a constant sort of you move forward, you move back, you move forward, you move back and you make your kind of progress very incrementally. But right now, I just think there is a huge backlash on social media against... um, you know, women and underrepresented groups that want to have the temerity to talk about their experiences. I mean, how dare we? Whenever a woman voices an opinion, whether you agree or disagree, there's an immediate rush to silence her. That doesn't seem to be going anywhere. And in fact, it works because it does put people off. It does stop women talking about stuff that we need to talk about. They're shutting down those spaces where women can talk. And the internet's great in one way in that there are loads of allies you can find but it's also it's a war zone and as soon as you say something absolutely smack down sort of know your place woman shut up and i think as well like when you you're not used to loads of people just like completely slagging you off on social media or coming after you it affects your kind of mental health actually because you know you've got people really coming after you and I think one of the things that um, again it's just I think a war zone is a really good way of describing it people will kind of choose to dox people so they'll kind of some but Nigel Farage did it to me I did um, a thing on television with I've him I've seen it and we had a the one in December yeah, yeah on the I've Andrew seen Marshall it. and we had a real a real ding dong and um, he sort of kind of tweeted me I put my name on it and it was like a signal to his followers to write, go after, you know, set the dogs on this woman. And it was absolutely relentless. It was just days and days and days of racist, sexist, Islamophobic, the most horrific abuse you could imagine. And I'm quite a tough person. I've kind of been around politics quite a long time. I've done stand-up comedy. I'm, I'm used to people kind of like booing me or whatever. But even still you're like wow and that's somebody like me imagine if you're somebody who is much younger and you've not got that Mm. experience it is it is awful but I think the other technique as well which has been used to silence women is picking out a small number of let's say quite right-wing women and kind of using those women to attack other women as well so you know there's this whole kind of girl on girl fighting about feminism and you know, you'll see the BBC often does this, other people do as well. So I would say the majority of women might have a particular view on me too. Like it's quite a bad thing and sexual harassment is like not great. But they will say, right, in the interest of balance, we have to find like the one person who thinks that actually it's all a bit of a laugh and, you know, men should be allowed to do exactly what they want. And so it's kind of female against female sort of set up, which, of course, to the outside world just sets the entire cause back as well. And that is another issue that really, really does my head in. And then it gets reported as a cat fight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
And it's the climate change thing, isn't it? When you've got 97 scientists saying climate change is happening, we really need to step up and do something. And you've got three going, no, nah, it doesn't really exist. And they're given equal space, like yeah. they're yeah. equally right. And it's like, no, that's not how ratios work. Yeah. I think, And I think as well, I mean, the media, I think, have a, a, a huge role to play in it. I mean, sometimes it's sort of what you might call a microaggression, something quite small, like things being reported, sort of the way they're reported. And then sometimes it's just full on outrageous, like Nicola Sturgeon being put on a wrecking ball in a bikini. In, in Was that the son that did that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's just, it, if the message is being sent from the top, from politicians, from don't respect women, then why is the guy who's just on Twitter going to, that's the, that's the clear message to him, go for that woman? It's 100 years since some, and that is a very important word there, some women got the vote. Where do you think we stand now as women with rights and in the world and politically? So I've been pondering this question long and hard. I think it's great that we celebrate a century of some women first getting the right to vote, and that's really important. But I think we've got to be really, really careful to not just sort of kind of languish in this sort of lather of celebration and let's look back really nostalgically on sort of history because I think that does mask about where we are now and we have got such a long way to go. And as somebody who's worked in politics for the best part of 20 years, I think what we've definitely got better about, and this is really important, is representation in front of house. You know, we've got more women... MPs than we've ever had before and long may that continue but make no mistake in politics so much of the decision taking is done behind closed doors like in any organisation or business it's kind of who is in the room when the key decisions are being made and certainly from my experience particularly becoming a senior what's known as a special advisor a spad spad, (laughs) you know you would look around those rooms and it would just be loads of white posh guys that had been Mm. to Oxford or Cambridge who had a very, very, very narrow view of the world. They were all kind of baby spads working their way up to be kind of senior spads. You know, they all like kind of thought the same. They all, you know, they just had the complete same point of view. They'd all been to the same university. They all, and they all were called Bob, Tom and Simon. (laughs) And I, for me, I just think... We have got such a long way to go where actual real decision-making is gendered. So let's say in politics the most important thing is money, right? Chase the money. If you want to find out what a political party really thinks about something, chase the money. We have never, ever had a female chancellor in this country. We haven't even had a female shadow chancellor. If you look at the impact of budgets in recent years austerity it is women who have borne the brunt Mm -hmm. of austerity um we put in the equality act this is a piece of legislation that i worked on with harriet Harmon um when i worked for her and they were meant to do gender audits of budgets and things like that of course nobody you know and they never do and you have this huge kind of consequence on on women picking up the brunt so i think for me until we get women 50 50 right throughout the entire business of politics, not just for the photocalls, not just for the window dressing, but actually we're real paralysed. That's when we're going to see the needle move on gender equality. 
quite interesting because certainly when I was a civil servant, and I don't know if it's, I imagine, well, I know that they did go through a lot of processes of, you know, cutting red tape and whatever. Um, I think each department had a bit of it, which was uh, after the 2010 election, I think each department had a bit of it that was designed to go and find bits of legislation they could get rid of, basically, to cut the red tape. But certainly we used to have to do a thing called an equalities impact assessment for every policy that you wanted to pass. So it was to look at whether a policy had a disproportionate impact on a particular group of people. And do the do they just not do that anymore? Or? I think they just don't do it. They, they, they're they meant to do it. Yeah. Um, you're, you're absolutely right. They, um, these equality impact assessments are meant to be done whether you're in local government or whether you're in national government, but they don't do them because it's not a priority for them. I mean, if you look at the way most of the benefit cuts have sort of fallen on people, then oh, absolutely. actually it's... You yeah. know, you know well, there's no hiding that, is yeah, there? Like, it's obvious that it's... Yeah. The fact that women actually are users of public services and things like that. So for me, I, I sort of feel that we've made... We have made progress, but we definitely have a long way to go. And I think we still have a bit of a problem in this country, not just in politics, but across the piece, of seeing women as properly powerful. You know, we, we don't... We've got this weird thing where, like, if a woman gets power almost by accident, we're just about okay with it. So Theresa May becomes Prime Minister because essentially it all goes massively wrong for David Cameron with the referendum. Um, Nicola Sturgeon becomes leader in Scotland because, again, it goes massively wrong for Alex Salmon with the referendum. But what we don't like is women. So we're kind of almost okay with women accidentally getting power. A bit like, you know, when the Queen, when her dad died, and they were like, okay, you now have to be like the Mm. Queen. What we are really bad about is actually thinking it's okay for a woman to want power. So for Hillary Clinton, for example, a woman who stood up and went, right, I want that top job. I want power. I want to be... It's not by an accident. I'm putting myself forward. It's all, oh, she's a bit bossy or she's a bit, yes. you know... It's not very ladylike. Her voice annoys me. Was the amount of people her. I heard say that... Uh, I don't have a problem with her, but her voice annoys me. Yeah. I'm like, but it's just it's a woman's voice. I don't I don't know what else you, yeah. you're going to say. It annoys yeah. me. It's not bassy enough. It doesn't yeah. sound enough like a man's voice. Yeah. In the States, there's a big thing about her, like she was really cold... Is what a lot of people I spoke to in the states said about. Oh, she's really cold, and I was like, well, "Do you think you'd say that if she was a guy?" And they were like, "Oh, no." I mean, it's the thing like a lot of people talk about. I was like, "Yeah, but do you think that would be a lot thing that a lot of people would say about a guy? Do you not think they'd say he was ambitious or yeah. Yeah. or or even ruthless and not Decisive. mean it in a bad yeah. way? Like, yeah. but a woman can't be yeah. ruthless. Yeah. It's it's interesting, isn't it? Because because we were talking about this god we've been talking about this for about two years we're in this position where actually i think the majority of our political parties in this country are led by women actually not necessarily the majority in the way that people vote not the most powerful ones but you know ply cumry yeah. the the green, Pie. the green party the northern ireland yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the smp the scottish labor party I, well, she had, but yeah, they, yeah, she yeah, was yeah, at the yeah, time yeah, yeah. and yet we don't yeah, seem Davidson, we yeah. don't seem to be any further forward in many ways. And I wonder if that's because in order to maintain that position, they kind of have to lose a little bit of of the kind of thing that makes people criticise them for being a woman. If it needs, it almost towards the Margaret Thatcher idea of basically I'm I'm a man, I, I am 
a man doing or, or yeah, woman doing a man's job yeah sort of yeah thing. i wrote that thing for standard issue um a while ago now when we're still an online magazine about when the what the legs it you know the oh, headline yeah, and yeah, Theresa yeah. May was like oh you know it's all just a bit of a laugh isn't yeah. it whatever and I thought it, it was just she should be outraged she like I thought it was so horrific that she so would demeaning. just throw women under the bus like that and not say actually like I am the leader of this country and you don't get to talk about me like that and she, and Nicola Sturgeon is the you know you don't get to talk about us yeah. like that it's unacceptable and the fact that, and I totally understand why she would have been advised to make light of it and I totally understand why she felt that was the thing to do because she didn't you don't make a fuss don't draw attention to the fact that you're a bird and you're in charge but it just it's just unforgivable yeah for that I, to be the response and I think it just again it just shows her First of all, I think she's just so weak, and I think she's so weak, particularly when it comes to the right wing press. You know, she doesn't want to say anything to either of them because, yeah. you know, that is the sign of absolute weakness. But she is like that, you know, in the sense that when Donald Trump has made those horrific mm. comments, you know, she's never first out the traps to say, hang on a minute, don't speak about women yeah. like that. And it's such a shame because I think if she did have the courage to do that, women of different political hues would actually look at her and think, you know what, fair play, respect to you for, for standing up for yourself. And, oh, ab- and- absolutely. I am completely, in, well, in love would be too strong, but I actually made them, we made a list of women of the year and I made Anna Subri and Heidi Allen as part of that and I don't believe in their politics at all, but I admire that the fact that they've decided to stand up against something yeah. that... that that needs someone to stand up Absolutely. against it. And I think you sort of hit the nail on the head earlier because I think one of the things that happens to women when they when they get more power and they get more profile and they get more publicity, you know, all the stuff we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, the abuse and all of that kind of the criticism all ratchets up. So they're in this really difficult position where they're kind of getting their dream, but it's like a nightmare at the same time. So all this publicity and profile, but like a lot of scrutiny and doubly harsh criticism. So I think they then get lots of advisors who are sometimes female, but largely still Mm. Bob, Tom and Simon. (laughs) And they kind of say to them, look, if I were you, I just wouldn't lean into the female thing too much. I mean, you can talk about it a bit, but let's not make a big deal about it. No one wants to hear, you know, you banging on about feminism. It's not the ovaries party. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And I think, you know, the, the women that do it get, you know, people are so glad that they like. I love Jess Phillips. Oh, yeah, I we love Jess Phillips. Jess Phillips says it, and she talks about her gender. It's not an accidental thing. It's not a sort of sideline issue. It's so germane to who she is and who what her politics are. Mm-hmm. And that I think for me is incredibly refreshing. I mean, my old boss Harriet Harman did that a lot and got slagged off for years and years and years before you know we used to call her the harmonator (laughs) (laughs) i'll be back and i just think it's a great um, nickname for like women you know i personally think look every woman has to do it i don't want to tell women how to do it but um i just think if you get power as a woman in politics i think you have got a duty to sort of try and bring other people with Mm. you and pave the way to make it easier for them, you don't just draw the the bridge up and just say, "Ha ha, I've made it here. I've done really well because I've acquired power for myself." It's what you do with that power to help 
other women, whether it's, you know, paving the way to talk about feminism, whether it's more kind of positive action to bring more women with you, whether it's appointing women, if you have that in your gift, you know, it's the classic Thatcher thing, isn't it? You know, she left an all male cabinet and, you know, was absolutely no friend of, of women, no, really. No. Anymore. You know, it's a kind of deeds, not words thing. And I think it's such a shame for Theresa May because I do think she could have a huge opportunity. One small example I'll give you equal pay, which I'm sure you've all talked about a lot. Oh, wang on about it all the time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know what the pay levels are between you girls, <laughs> but. Uh, so equal pay, big, big issue, obviously had the Equal Pay Act 1970, almost 50 years later, still got an 18% pay gap. I worked on the 2010 Equality Act, which put in it a clause about publishing data on what men get paid and what women get paid. And that is all coming to light now. So by the 4th of April, there's something like 9,000 companies that should report that figure. And that will be really interesting to see you know, who are the worst offenders. And so far, I think only 750 have um, published, right? We're running out of time, guys. Correct. So wouldn't it be great for our Prime Minister to send a signal to all those companies and say, right, equal pay really, really matters. You know, I'm a female Prime Minister. I expect you to comply with the law and publish your data and what you're going to do about progressing gender equality. That is not that radical a thing to do, but will she do it? I hope she does. I don't think she will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to say, by the way, guys, this is the law and you have to comply. Yeah. yeah. You know, but then, you know, you have to comply with law about taxes, don't you? Oh, no. Hang on. Perhaps it is like the tax return. Everyone's just leaving it till the day before. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I, yeah. mean, I hope they just publish. Getting just, a, getting Encyclopedias a being taken out of all the libraries as a lot of men in charge look at what a woman actually is. Yeah. <laughs> woman, woman. woman. This word keeps coming up, woman. Have we got some of them? I think we've got some of them. On a much more light-hearted note, you are taking another show to Edinburgh this year, aren't you? I am. I am. I don't really know what it's going to be about. Good. I need to actually go and write it um, at some point, but I have decided that I'm going to do it again because it was a great experience and my agent and promoter were like we're making you do it so I was like okay fine Um, but no you have to all come to it oh that would be fantastic I think I'm going to do it around feminism although isn't it so weird right again you do one show I did uh, my my last show was um, a bit about what it was like being a woman in the Labour Party and the trials and tribulations and I was speaking to some sort of like uh, journalist about what my next show might be and I said oh I'd quite like to do something more about feminism where we are now and he was like you don't think you've done feminism. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, guys, it's all solved, by the way. We've done that. Our well-known festival I got in contact with and suggested to them that we hosted a panel for them about women. On television. On television. And they said, oh, yeah, we did women last year. (laughs) No, it was two years ago. We did women a couple of years ago. I thought it was last year. It It was still like, well, you know, we're not going to do that. They've been covered. I just yeah. I just forwarded that email to everyone in our organisation with just the word fuck <laughs> at the top of it. And do you know, mark my words, because there's been loads of stuff on the suffragettes and the centenary, loads of commissioning editors in radio and television will think, box ticked. Yeah. So for the next, there will not be a lot on gender for about the next two years. They'll be like, well, we, yeah. we did that, didn't we? We did that thing on the suffragettes. That's, that's why I love that thing that Caroline Criado Perez wrote about not pardoning the suffragettes. I don't know if she turned it into an article, but she did do a long thread of tweets 
about how she didn't want the suffragettes pardoned or she didn't think they should be pardoned because A, they deliberately set out to break yeah, the law and B, don't pardon them as some salve like to women. We want something <laughs> Like yeah. we want what something. What are you going to do? Yeah. What are you going to do Give for us? Give yeah. Like, yeah. Give some yeah. money to some like refuges and yeah. crisis centres, and yeah. you know, put your cold hard cash yeah. where your mouth is. Don't just do one of those kind of platitudinous. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I also think with the suffragettes, they were deliberately correctly subversive. So yeah. why go back and sort of mm. sanitise or? Yeah, absolutely. They were militant for a reason. Yeah. Because being sweet and ladylike and all the things that we're taught we're supposed to be wasn't fucking working. It's patronising, isn't it? To retrospectively go, oh, it's all right, love. We forgive you. Don't worry. That's okay. That's quite like, I don't think that's what I mean, you were a bit cross about stuff, weren't you? Yeah. Doesn't look pretty on a woman anger, does it? So, but you know, we'll let you off. (laughs) All that scowling. It's really bad. It wrecks your complexion. But we've also invented Botox, so you're all all right. Where can we find you? Where can people find you to send nice messages and say um, hey and follow what you're doing so in you not a sinister way? Follow me on Twitter at Aisha Hazarika and I think I will be at the Edinburgh Festival in the middle at the Gilded Balloon, I think. Oh, great venue. Yes, I think. I think. And I'll be previewing lots and I think I'll be doing a wee tour afterwards. So hopefully I can come to various places around the country and chat about feminism and politics and... Yeah, take uh, and have a big moan about the state of the nation. Excellent. Thank you so that much. Great. Really yeah, thank you very much Pleasure. for coming in. International Women's Day seems exactly the right time to big up some charities doing excellent work for women but desperately in need of your cash, should you have some to spare. Refuge, Rape Crisis, the Abortion Support Network, the Homeless Period, Women in Sport, the Samaritans... And, you know, just put in a few extra items, including sanitary hygiene products, in your local food bank. Up the women! Until the next time, stay frosty. Standard Issue for all women.